This morning I um, wanted to just um, unpack, unravel a little bit, um, just something that uh, God sort of gave me up in the mountains, but I wanted to just reinforce again some things in the life of the church. How many know that uh, you know, over time people come, people go, and uh, the congregation's face sometimes changes and looks a little different? And I've had people over the last little while come and ask, us, ask me questions. So how, where do I fit? How do I fit into this church? And what's the vision of this church? And how does this work? And how does that work? And I see you saying this and saying that. And so I, th- I thought we'd just pull the whole picture together. So for some of you, this might just be a reinforcement. For others, you might be new. But the bottom line is, is nothing has changed in terms of what God has called us to and the mandate over this church. So if this surprises you, then come and speak to me because then we, we have done something that undercover. Because I hope everything that I'm saying this morning is clearly evident and operational. And then there are some things that we're still aiming for and wanting to achieve. Okay, we happy with that? So first and foremost, what I wanted to do this morning is just to quickly uh, unravel any mystery that relates to us coming together on a Sunday and coming to church. Just in case there was anything that was a little bit of a mystery as to why you actually are here and what is actually we're all about. I use words, and, and I guess in churches they often use these words, but I, I use w- words like riverbanks. I use words like culture, and I use words like values, eternal values. And uh, so we need to just understand those. So I'm just going to very quickly spend a few minutes just to understand that. Firstly, when I talk about riverbanks as a church, we must understand that what do actually riverbanks do? Now, you can all relax. You don't have to take notes. You can just sit around, relax, and just chill into whatever God's saying this morning because this is just an unpacking to family, right? Um, Riverbanks basically steer the river, right? Wherever there is riverbanks, it steers the river. If the river goes over the riverbanks, then the river cannot be steered, right? So the importance of the riverbanks is so that the river that flows... Whatever that river's called, wherever that river is designated to flow, it steers it so that it fulfills its purpose and its plan. If the river is sources the Drakensberg and it needs to go all the way down to the Indian Ocean, then the river banks will ensure that that river takes its rightful course where it needs to flow so that it reaches its destination. Correct. The river banks in the kingdom of God are grace and truth. See, in John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, The law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So our riverbanks are grace and truth. Everything is steered with grace and truth. Friends, everything that this church does, everything that we do, if it doesn't have grace and truth steering it, then it's not this church. 24-7 24-7 as a church, friends, we are, we are allowing the river of God because we want to accomplish that which God has called us as a church to achieve. He is our source and he's given us a river that flows in this place, friends. In order for it to be a refreshing work of God, it needs to flow in the riverbanks of grace and truth. Amen. We got that. Okay. So everything we share, we teach, we impart in 24-7 church is steered by grace and truth. Now, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So everything 
that we feel, everything that we see, everything that we taste in 24-7 must look like, feel like, taste like Jesus. Amen. And it's, it's no revelation because the Bible says we're called to be like Him. Amen. And as churches, what's our mandate and our purpose? We are called to be the body of Christ. No rocket science here. Simple reality of beginning to demonstrate what Jesus looks like, what He feels like, what He tastes like, how He operates, what He does. That's simply in the, the, the riverbanks are Christ, grace and truth. Amen. Okay, and then the culture. Culture is basically a way of life, the design for living. It's shared values of the community. So the culture is Jesus. It's a way of living. It's the design that God gave us. It's what his word has given us as the culture, a design for living that we live out and that we outwork in 24-7, right? And then obviously, our values, these are the convictions of Christ, his character, his nature. These are the, the, the values of Christ that we hold dear and that we give priority to. There are many values, but there are things that we can give priority to. And because they are the character, the nature, and the values of Christ, they are eternal values. They don't change. I love the word that came, circumstances can change, this can change, that can change, but Christ never changes, and his values never change. Amen. Just because we're going through a difficulty or a challenging situation doesn't mean now he adapts his values. Right? 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. It's an interesting scripture. Let's find out what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. It says this. Verse 14, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. We are the household of God, the church. We're the household of God, and we, we are learning how to behave in the household of God, right? And the household of God is called something, a pillar and a buttress of truth. So we know the truth. The truth is setting us free. And we are becoming a pillar and a buttress of that truth so that the community of believers will shine the truth and cause those who don't know the truth to be drawn to the light of the truth. All right? Simple. I'm just... Laying a foundation, yeah, okay, good. So I have a vision of a biblical church. I have a vision of a biblical church. There are many churches, but I have a vision of a biblical church. And the challenge with a biblical church is that a biblical church, it costs to be biblical. You know that David said something very interesting in the Bible? He said, I don't give God anything that doesn't cost me 
I don't give God anything that doesn't cost me. For us to be a biblical church as 24-7, it will cost. It will cost because it will demand us our lives. It will demand that it's no longer us who are living, but Christ who is living inside of me. Because the very nature of the church and what it's called to do is to be Christ-like. Right? Not Grant-like, not Kevin-like, not Gavin-like, but Christ-like. And to be Christ-like, friends, costs. Amen? This is a few amens, but we're getting there. We're gonna grow. Church is gonna just... I have a vision of a biblical church that, that's lives have been transformed by Christ. And as they journey in His presence, getting to know Him more and more, they become His true body and the full expression of His nature and character. Shall I say that again? I have a vision of a biblical church that's lives have been transformed by Christ And as they journey in his presence, getting to know him more and more, they become his true body and the full expression of his nature and his character. When we start at 24-7, this is our vision. I'll read our vision again. So I say, nothing has changed. I'm just going to stir up the church with a vision. We are looking to put this vision on the wall as you walk in there so that we can see it every single week as we walk past it. The vision of 24-7 church is to be a people living a life of daily encounters and relationship with Jesus Christ, enabling them to live in the grace and freedom of the Holy Spirit, and empowering them to go and transform our city by demonstrating kingdom culture and seeing Isaiah 61, one to three fulfilled in the lives of individuals, families, and the nations. Amen. Amen. Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me for a particular purpose and a mandate. He's anointed me so that I can go out there and I can make a lot of money and buy a house in Santon. Amen, Amen, brother. (laughs) Now that might be your purpose. But it's not the vision. The vision is that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. He's anointed me to set the captives free. He's anointed me to bring the acceptable and favorable year of the Lord through my life into my sphere of influence and my surroundings. Amen. So when you come into 24-7, what do you get? You get the following. Number one, you get an authentic community of believers. Amen. This comes up in my head now, just say it. One of the things that we do as people, we all do it, I do it, is that when we invite people around to our house, what do we do? We clean it. We make it look very nice. We actually put everything in its place. Suddenly, all the kids are shouting, yeah, you, Gary, sweep the outside. Vacuum the pool. It's green most of the time. Vacuum the pool. Put the chemicals in. Do whatever. And put the tablecloth on there. Make it look good. Nice big vase. Put flowers in. Pick them in the garden. And the person comes and goes, wow. The only result that you actually get from that is they go away thinking, Wow. I wish I could be like those guys. Well, what a standard. Ooh, when I go home, for you fighting in the car all the way home. 
Look at that mustard house. Why don't you be more like him? And he can do this. It's great. Right? So what we're supposed to do is supposed to invite them around to our home, our real home. Now, I'm not advocating be dirty. I'm just saying the real home where we actually do live. You can tidy up and vacuum every now and then. It's a really good policy, just like showering or bathing regularly is a good policy, right? But be yourself. Be who you are. Display your home because that's where you live and you're inviting them into the place where you live. And you will only invite them in once every two weeks, five weeks, once a year, depending on how hard you have to perform to clean up to when they do come. Right? We do exactly the same thing in the church. We shave, put on our smellies, all nice in the car, but when we arrive, whoop, do-do-do-do-do-do, hallelujah, beautiful, lovely, nice, well, whew, take the tie off, get in the car, yeah, you're stupid, carry on, let's be someone else for the rest of the week, whew, thank God, but you know what, if I've got to do that every single Sunday, it's exhausting, I'll maybe come twice a month, <laughs> it's very hard to just come and do all of that. That's not the church, the biblical church. The biblical church is a group of believers who are authentic. What you see is what you get. When you look at me, whatever, yes, that is how I dress. Yes, I have got a bit of weight. It's fine. I'm happy with it. If you're not happy with it, I'm happy with it. I love Jesus. Yes, I do swear every now and then. No, I don't swear. But you might be. I'm using an example. You... I. If you catch me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, this is who I am. And on Sunday and Sunday morning, it's who I am as well. I am authentically seeking God. I am a work in progress. I am challenged by many things, but I'm trusting the Lord. And I come on a Sunday because I'm, I'm with a whole bunch of other people that are just like me. Not a whole bunch of other people that are not like me and they just condemn me and make me feel judged and what because wow, how come they've got it all together? Because when that guy he just he says 17 scriptures one after the other when he prays, oh, I, I feel I can't even pray. But when you go during the week, he says a whole bunch of other stuff to his employees. And he has a whole nother language than the one he speaks on a Sunday, right? So when you come to 24-7, we we believe you get an authentic church experience, right? Everyone's going, I need to talk to you, Ron. <laughs> Good. Oh. An authentic community of believers who love Jesus and love his presence. Amen. We love Jesus and we love his presence. We spent an hour this morning. We don't apologize for that. Honestly, if you cannot spend time in the presence of the Lord for an hour, I promise you, I'm gonna really pray for you one day when you go to heaven because there's a lot of time you're gonna spend in his presence. And if you don't enjoy his presence, then there's a challenge. If you're here for other reasons other than his presence, then this is gonna tire you out. And you're gonna go, wow, one hour praise and worship at that church is just way too long. Now, we don't do one hour all the time what we do, but... And the, this buttress and this pillar of truth and 
these banks of grace, and you say, you have grace for me, and this, in, in, the, in truth, we do spend most of our time an hour in praise and worship, okay. But we don't have to, it's not because it's a, some kind of nice thing that we do here that we have a long time in praise and worship. We're after the presence of the Lord. Forgive us if we're also human and um, trying to find out what God's doing in the meeting and sometimes it takes us a bit longer than, than maybe we should and we're all learning, right? And, um, and, so, and all of us are just pressing into the Lord so it takes a little bit of time. But we, we make no excuse because we love Jesus and we're after his presence. <laughs> and it's not that important that we hear the word if we're not encountering Jesus and his presence, right? So it's, it's it, I marvel at how when we get born again, we encounter this person, the personhood of Jesus, and we just say, thank you so much. What an incredible person, Jesus, just loving me and forgiving me and just who I was. And then we now get saved and we journey through salvation and we end up with a whole bunch of principles and no idea of the person anymore. Somewhere along the line, friends, we lost the understanding that he's journeying with us. I'm not trying to find out how I can have success. I am having a relationship with Mr. Success. Amen. And if I come to the end of my life having an incredible relationship with him, but not having done a whole lot of things, friends, it's far more important because the Bible doesn't tell me that guy's in trouble. It tells me in Matthew 7, another guy's in trouble who says, Lord, Lord, but I did a whole bunch of stuff in your name. And he says, depart from me, I don't know you. So I'm kind of realizing where the emphasis does actually lie. It doesn't lie in actually raising the dead and it lies in knowing Jesus. He just knows once you know him and you hang around with him, those stuff kind of happens automatically without you. But you know what? You can work really hard at achieving that stuff, but if you don't know him. So our journey is about knowing him. So we don't apologize as a church for just pressing in and spending time. It's actually about knowing him, Right? It's not about how professional it is, how good they are, whether they are actually, they're actually just creating a place, an atmosphere and a space for us to encounter God. They, they don't worship on our behalf. That's why worship is a lifestyle. Anyway, we'll get there. So an authentic community of believers who love Jesus and love his presence, who love each other and demonstrate that love in a very tangible, real way. Amen. We're not, Jesus spoke about things in the Bible. I love you, brother. <laughs> but, you know, don't come near me. <laughs> you smelly. We demonstrate in a very tangible way the love of God. It's love that's inside of us lived out. It's something that you actually see. Love looks like something, right? Uh, number four, who want to see his kingdom come and will be done on this earth in and through their lives and each other's lives. And then number five, I felt... This just dropped into my heart while I was in the, uh, in the mountains, and um, it's my little motto, mantra, whatever you want to call it, without causing offense or wobbling anybody who's religious. Um, it's just, it's, it's captivated my heart. I, f I felt like whether I felt these words or the Lord said these words. He says, son, it's the ability to see the best in others, always want the best for others, and always look to lead others into their best. That's the mandate of 24-7 church. It's the ability to see the best in others. Always want the best for others. 
and always looked to lead others into their best. That's 24-7, right? Amen. Okay, and then our values, just very quickly, just so you do know. Um, presence of the Lord uh, and relationship with God, paramount. It's why we got saved. We didn't get saved so we can get a ticket to heaven. We didn't get saved so that, sure, we can wait and, and have this desperate cry that, oh, this world is going down the tubes, but, you know, I got my ticket, just pick me up, Scotty. We actually got saved for a relationship with God. It was to restore us back to a father. It was to have a relationship with him to become a family again. The church is the household of God. It's the family of God. It's the home of God. Ask yourself this question, what does his home look like? What does his home feel like? What will it be like to go sit in God's home? Well, every church is supposed to be that. You're supposed to be able to walk and come in and sit down and feel at home. Why? Because you're a son and a daughter, and this is your home. So the mandate and the purpose and the plan is that we make this our home. As the household of God, he is our father, and we make this our home where we can relax, where we can be involved, where we know that I have freedom in my home, and I love inviting people to my home. I love showing off my home. Right? It's very quiet. So our values, the things that we hold dear, presence of the Lord and relationship, the word of God, which is truth, um, transformation by Holy Spirit, transformed, like I, I said, not just veneer, not just displaying something, not just don't dig too deep because you might find something underneath. We want you to find what's underneath. It's Jesus. He may not be coming out like I want him to, but underneath you find Jesus, and I'm displaying him as best I can, and I'm on a journey, and you can join me if you want. Amen? Transformed lives by Holy Spirit, a lifestyle of worship, not just here on Sunday where we clap and go, yay, 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 feel some goosebumps. Friends, it's not a concert, it's not entertainment, it's not really nice, they're good words, whatever, and that I, I, I don't kind of come into line and go, because otherwise, if you do that, what you'll have comments is afterwards, they go, well, worship wasn't so good this morning. And then we can all say, well, thankfully, you weren't the one being worshiped. See, because if worship wasn't good, you're worshiping him. So we probably need to help you a little bit. Because it's a lifestyle of worship, friends. It's not about how good they are and what the songs are. I had a person the other day say to me, you don't sing enough about Jesus. Should have been here this morning. <laughs> friends, the reality is that they're helping us, we're worshiping. We're expressing, it's a lifestyle of worship. Friends, whatever you do during the week will be displayed on a Sunday. It's exactly the same. We live transformed lives. Right? Otherwise, whatever you're doing on a Sunday, friends, is just veneer. It's a mask. And we want authentic church, biblical church in this place. Amen. Family. Yay. One of our values is family. We're entrenched in the understanding of family. When you come into 24-7 and you come and, you, and, 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 and God 
plants you into 24-7, you become family. Amen. Do you know the Bible says, Psalm 92, I think it's verse 13, it says, those that are planted of the Lord, they flourish in his house. There's actually a planting of the Lord. Do you know that when you come to a church, it's not a multiple choice question. It's not a decision that you make as to what it looks like, how it is, what, it, what works, what doesn't work. It's actually a decision of God. In obedient response, you are planted by God into a family. See, that's why it's the decision of God. Psalm, I think it's 68, forget the verse, but anyway, have a look. It talks about that he puts the lonely in families. Guess what? Without Jesus, you're all lonely. You can have a whole lot of people around you, but without him. He plants us into families. And then because he plants us and it's his, then church becomes family. Right? Otherwise, we're actually pretending that they're family. Because how many know you don't choose your family? Sorry, did you, did you kind of sit there and go, not that womb, but that womb, because I like those parents. And um, can I just see who's coming after me and how many kids are there? You just popped out into this family. So when you pop out into this family, suddenly you don't go, look, I don't like my brother very much. You know what? And also in this family, you know, I, I don't seem to fit. It's not family language. Family language is God planted me into this family. I love this family. You know, when we fight as a church, we fight for one another. What are the reasons why we're fighting? Well, we're fighting because, you know what? That's a really good children's ministry, and I'm, I, and I'm fighting because my gifting, and no, I fight. The reasons that I fight is because they're sitting on either side of me. They're sitting in the row in front of me, and they're sitting in the row behind me. They're my family. Because I was planted here, right? You automatically fit in because they're family. I've never had my kids come to me, Dad, I don't fit in anymore here. It's time for me to go. And Courtney, really? Just, we used to get on, but now, I don't know why God put me in this family. Because really, it's too nutty blondes. <laughs> Mom who's blonde, two blondes, it's like three blondes are just like, can we have somebody with a different color hair? You know? <laughs> Glory. <laughs> See, you, you do not fit in by your status in life, your skill, what the family provides for you, where you're recognized, where you have things in common. That's not family. Isn't it amazing in brothers and sisters how you find out how different you are and your different skills? And some skills come through in the family. It's beautiful. We have a very musical family. I'm glad I can say we have a musical family. <laughs> I'm not musical, but I have a musical family. <laughs> well, I am musical in some ways. Let's not go there. <laughs> it's slow this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is, is that often our different strengths 
are all different. Connor is very different to Courtney and very different to Casey. But when it comes to church, what are we looking for? Let me have a look at that church. I wonder, has it got a prison ministry? Because I've got a prison gifting. Has it got a prison ministry? Oh, no, I want, have I got anything in common there? What's this? Let me have a look. Whatever. Have they got guys in the, the top businessmen? I need, I'm a top business guy. I need to fit in top business guys. I need to do some fishing, some networking. So that's not the kingdom, friends. That's not church. Church shouldn't be an attraction. Well, we go, well, musicians attract musicians. I don't give a tortoise. God plants. Right? Honestly, I could say some things now, and I'm not going to, but I, the reality is, friends, we shouldn't have one church that's got 40,000 musicians and doing awesome, wonderful sound while another church has got zero and playing CDs. For me, that's just the wrong concept and understanding of the church, friends. It needs a couple of things to happen. One, somebody needs to die. Die to themselves and live for Jesus. Amen. Front row went completely white. Somebody's going to die. When you preach to millennials, it's very good to preach to, preach to millennials because they take everything as like, somebody's going to die. <laughs> die to self, right? And live for him. Friends, the reality is, of course we all want to gravitate here. Of course. I love, I'm sure if you talk to musicians, I don't have this experience. I'm just offhand thinking this is how it works. Is that it's lovely to stand here and you've got it, you're quite gifted, whatever, and, this, and that guy's quite gifted, and man, he hits a groove, you know. Instead of going into a band, whatever, where you're like playing and like, <laughs> like really? That's a C? That's not a C. That's a, right? But the reality is God says, listen, you know what? You go there and you, you release my sound. And you let these guys learn and grow up and you establish something of kingdom. Because when you give God something, it costs. Amen. It's gone quiet. It's not just your gift, friends, that I miss. If it is, then I've gone into business and I've gone into professionalism rather than family. My wife has an incredible gift of cooking, but our marriage is in big trouble when she comes home and I say, I missed your cooking gift. If she's been away, she'll say, really? Let me show you a pan and my cooking gift <laughs> on your head. The reality is, friends, it's not just her gift. I miss her. Such as your gifts that cause 24-7 to look all nice or to do. I miss you. I miss who you are. I miss you being there. That's what we're fighting for. That's what we're doing together. And I know it costs. I know it costs to be in 24-7 because we are not mainstream. There's so much I could say right now. I'm going to end with this, and then I want to, for all those that are very um, administratively gifted, um, I'll put this down on an, an organogram and a flow chart. Whoa. Whoa. Flow chart. You see, some people just get so excited about that. Deep inside, I'm a closet flow chart person. So I'm going to put it in a flow chart, but I just wanted to share 
because I don't want you to lose who we are because there's flow charts now. Oh, Grant, he's lost the plot now. Now he's going to, no, I'm just, I want you to share this so you understand. But I wanna, also want to share this very quickly. Just to, it, it, it hit me the other day. I was actually listening to Eric Johnson and it just, something jumped to my heart. And when I was praying again that night, just a few thoughts came into me, which I felt the Lord was just emphasizing. And it's uh, in Luke uh, chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. How many know the story of the prodigal son? Um, and I believe um, um, that obviously the story is more about the father than, than the son. Um, and you, all you got, then you, the way you look at that very quickly is to look at the chapter. And in the chapter, it starts off with the lost sheep, starts off with the lost coin, and then goes to the prodigal son. And the point is about the lost sheep is that there's 100 sheep and one goes missing. And he leaves the 99 to go after the one. And then there's like 10 coins and one goes missing. And she goes, she, forget about the 10, let's go find it. And she literally searches that whole house to, to find that coin and the joy of finding the sheep, the joy of finding the coin. And then you've got the prodigal son and we talk, it's all about the son. No, it's all about the father. That when the son took his inheritance, the father, the agape love of God is attracted to that which is lost. Love lived out, friends, in this church is attracted to that which is lost. Do you know something that grabbed me um, in the, in the um, story with the prodigal son is that as a son, friends, he was part of the house. See, most of the time when we preach that, we preach it about unsaved. And the saved people all kind of go, oh, okay, we know this one. It's obviously evangelist. That story has got more to do with the church than it has got to do with an unbeliever. Bible says that he squandered, he went and took his inheritance and he squandered it on reckless living. Which is extravagant living. It's, there's a lot of sons in the house that have taken their inheritance and squandered it. But one of the beauties there is of a father who was looking out and all he asked for was the son to turn. And when the son turned, if you, if you understand and you read that parable very clearly, you will understand that the son had not be, was not repented, repentant yet. I don't know if you realize that. He was hungry and was now looking at the pig food. You get to a place where you kind of go, okay, there's a line here now. We can be naughty, do a bunch of stuff, do whatever we're doing, whatever and that, but it comes along where you're suffering under pressure, stuff's happening in your life, whatever, and there comes a line and it's the pig food. And we go, okay, maybe I need to just go back to 24-7. Maybe I just need to go and visit, go back to church again, because this is the line. But listen to his comments. He's saying, you know what? I know I've mucked up. I've taken my inheritance. In those days, when a son took his inheritance and squandered it, it was a disgrace to the father and the household. It was very difficult to go back. You were basically disgraced, whatever, and that and. One of the beautiful things that we don't understand there is the whole community were involved. If we understand how the church was written, the, the understanding of the church, the Bible was written how the church, the church operated as a community in those days. You did everything together. It wasn't just an individual. You didn't just quietly go in your own little thing, whatever, and go, oops, my son just sneaked out the back door and he's went out, took my inheritance. The whole village knew. The whole village were involved. 
The whole village surrounded you and protected you and helped you. And, and honestly, and when the sun would return, the whole village would go out. You'll understand now why the father was looking for the son because he wanted to beat the village people. He did not want his son to encounter the village people. He, <laughs> he, <laughs> he wanted his son. <laughs> Whoever's listening to this, Whoever's listening to this on the internet understand what I'm saying. And he was watching. He was an expectant. He, he wanted, and all his son had to do was turn. And the son said, right, I know I've, I've, my whole sonship is shot. But hold on a minute. I know even the, even the servants are eating better food than I am. So it wasn't, it was more about food. So when the son made a turn, he came back. It was more about the food than it was about repenting of what he had actually done. Friends, people come into the church today. It doesn't matter what reason they come into the church for. It doesn't matter if they're repentant. It doesn't matter if they haven't got it all right. There's a father who's waiting and when they turn and, and just make the turn, he runs towards them. There's a father in every single one of our lives when we just make the turn, he runs towards us. You don't have to have it all right. You don't have to, I got it all my ducks in a row and now I'm coming because I'm repentant. I don't care why you're coming, just come. Just turn and come, the father will meet you. What's amazing is you had the father who came running to meet him, friends, and there's a whole big thing on all of that. I don't wanna go into all of it, but it's an amazing thing when the father comes running towards you because to run in those robes, you gotta lift them up, which means you gotta show your, your legs. It was a, not a good thing for a father in the community to lift his robe and show off his legs. Not only because their son hadn't seen them for a long time, but, be, but because they were a little white, but because it was not done. It was not done in that, in that day. Um, and it was not done to run too as an elder. As a, as a, what Jesus is trying to explain here is the love of a father. He's trying to explain that agape love, it goes after that sheep, man. Agape love, it'll find that coin. Because that coin's got value. It's not a little piece of tin to him, it's got value. And that son, when he turns, that, that son has got value and he'll run after that son. But friends, as the son turns and comes running back to him and he comes and he embraces them, what happens with the older brother? Because this is a little side story that Jesus brings in. The older brother, friends, is out in the field. He is not even looking. He is not interested and he's not even looking for the son to return. He's written off the son a long time ago. How do we understand that as well? Because when the father responds and comes out, because the son, older son comes down, whatever, and goes, what's all this music and this noise, hey? So much happiness. Too much happiness in this house? 24-7, why is everyone so happy? Oh, because the guy's coming, it's awesome, whatever. What guy? Who, who? That guy, I know that guy. That's the guy that comes and cons us at the robot out here. Tells us his wife's pregnant and his car's broken down. And I've given him money and then found out he's a con man. Father comes running back. He goes, no, I don't want to go in. Whatever the father has to come out, which is also another display of the love of the father. When you have to leave your own party. And then he comes out and he has to talk to the son. And the son, because we know now that he wasn't waiting for the, he says, oh no, he spent all his money. Well, you want to give this guy a party because he spent all his money on harlots. And the, there's no way that we have an indication that he spent his money on harlots. 
We know he had reckless living. Now, he may have, we don't know, but the older son didn't care. He just slandered and judged the younger brother. And in fact, and then he said, your son, he didn't even say my brother. And you get another picture of the lavishness of the father, friends, in that when a son comes back in those days and he returns back to the household, and you throw him a party, guess how many people come? <laughs> there was a massive party going on because the father threw the party. When we come back, the father throws the party, friends. When you come back and you repent to somebody, whatever, there's not many people that might get too excited to come to your party. But the father throws a party that we can all come to. Here's the, here's the, the sad part. The son then goes and says simply this. He says, you know what? I have been faithful all this time. I have done everything that you've asked me to do, and I've been faithful, and you have not even give me, given me a little billy goat. Even little Billy over there was not even given to me. You've given him the fatted calf. What did he reveal there? He revealed his heart. He was working and doing all of the stuff to get the fatted calf. And here's the son who just comes in and just kind of sneaks in, not really even repent, repentive kind of, and father says, I'm gonna put a robe on you. I'm gonna give you a ring on your finger and I'm gonna kill the fatted calf for you. There's a story in the Bible, Matthew chapter 20. It's a story about a, a master and a, a, of a vineyard, and uh, he hires laborers to go and work in his vineyard. And he goes out, and six o'clock in the morning, he hires a whole bunch of laborers, and he gives them one denarius um, for their day's, a day's wage, which was normal in those days. Then he comes back at again at about nine o'clock in the morning, three hours later, and he sees there's still a whole bunch of other people that are needing work, so he hires them also for a denarius a day. Then he comes back at 12 o'clock midday. That's been six hours of work has already gone by and he sees there's still more people, whatever, so he hires them and he gives them a denarius a day. And then he comes at three o'clock in the afternoon and he sees that there's still a few more people that are wanting work, whatever, and he hires them and gives them a denarius a day. And then extravagantly at five o'clock in the afternoon, one hour before Charlotte time, there's still a few more people, so he hires them to come. Then when everyone lines up and he begins to pay, when he pays the person that he hired at five o'clock, one hour's work, a denarius, the ones that were hired at six o'clock in the morning start to grumble and complain. And God says, but did we not agree on a denarius? What are you grumbling about? Are you grumbling about my generosity? Have I not the right to do with my my money, how I want to. Landing those two stories together, what's God trying to say to us? Friends, I believe with every single part of my being that in these last days there's a harvest coming in of a bunch of people that are coming in at five o'clock. And I want us as a church to sit here and to understand this. A lot of the people here in this church have been faithful. And they have been clocking in. Eight o'clock, five o'clock, eight o'clock, five o'clock. The first thing I want to challenge is if you've been clocking in at 8 o'clock and 5 o'clock for the fatted calf, I want you to know here today that God's already given you the fatted calf. You don't have to earn it or work for it. He's already given it to you. But for some people, they've been faithful. They've been incredible. They've been serving, whatever, and they've been clocking in and doing everything that God's called them to do. And I want to honor you here today, and I want to say thank you in this church. But I want to say you are going to be challenged in these last days because God's going to bring in people at 5 o'clock and they're gonna get 
a denarius as well. Friends, and sometimes they're going to go past us and do even greater things, and God's going to give them even greater things than we've ever had. And we have a, a decision to make. We can be the older brother, or we can go into the party and we can celebrate. Because it's a beautiful uh, illustration in Galatians chapter 1 where Paul is uh, uh, describing his journey and he's saying he was a guy who killed people and he was, yeah, he was viciously going after people because they were believing in Jesus. And then suddenly he gets saved and now he comes to preach in this church. And uh, the reality was everybody wasn't sure because remember, they didn't have internet and Google in those days. So they weren't sure what was going on, whatever, and who, who this guy really was. They knew that he was a killer. Now they said he had been transformed. And Paul said, I'm so grateful that you accepted me and celebrate what God had done and that God was glorified through me. See, our responsibility is to glorify God through people. It's to honor God in what he's doing in other people's lives. That's the kingdom, Right? God's gonna bring in a whole bunch of people that we're just gonna celebrate and honor God in their lives. Not gonna sit there and say, you know what, I've been sitting in this church for 14 years where now Grant's never given me a, an opportunity to preach in the church. That oak's just come in, he got saved three months ago and now he's preaching. That'll be a miracle if you're preaching here after three months, but I'm just giving you an example because I do guard the pulpit because truth must come from this pulpit. But what I'm saying is that we're moving into a time, I already felt the Lord say this, where we're gonna have people just coming in. And some of us have been sitting, being faithful, doing stuff in the Lord. We, we mustn't get wobble or get jealous because somebody else gets honored more than us, right? So I'm gonna have to land this and pull this all in. But this is the organogram. Luki, have you got a... This is the, the model of the church, and we're gonna put it up on the wall, the back there, so if you... If you love this and it gets you all excited, we'll stop there. If it gets all excited, whatever, and that you can go look at it on the wall every single week and get excited and say, yay, God, this is awesome. Um, here's the, the vision that, um, uh, that I, the picture that I had that God gave me is 247 Advance is an apostolic team consisting of me and Jane at this point. Um, and uh, obviously, um, Connor and all the other guys will be. So that's a team of people that will, will grow and develop as God puts an apostolic mandate um, over our lives uh, in terms of planting churches, right? Yielded Yes Ministries is a school of the apostolic team of planting churches. So Yielded Yes Ministries trains people to plant churches. 247 Church Johannesburg is a planted church out of 247 Advance, okay? So right now, this is this, remember this is a vision, not, so a vision is, that's me, that's me, that's me, right? Then we will plant a number of 247 churches, 247 Church PE, 247, put whatever, whatever name you and any one of you can plant a church. If that's what God's called you to do, we would ask you to come through Yielded Yes Ministry School. So that when you do plant a 247 church, you plant with the same vision, same culture, same understanding, same everything. So we are, are not, this isn't a wimpy franchise, but it is an understanding that when you go to a wimpy, you get the same hamburger and the same everything as you would at any other wimpy. So when you come to a 247 church, you get the same understanding, which is just the Bible. 
It's just truth and grace that are the, right? Okay, so, so here, so, so 24-7 church. Next uh, slide, Lukey. So there's 24-7 church. That's us. Um, obviously going through administration, everything is administered. So that's, the, that's a gifting there, um, which, watch this space soon. We are trusting the Lord as we launch off earlier next year that there will be an elder couple that will oversee that administrative function in the life of the church, my vision. So that's admin of the church. And then the church is actually, in, it's basically got two arms, the church. The one arm is 247 Connected, the other arm is 247 Commissioned. 247 Connected's main goal is discipleship, us getting discipled, and 247 Commissioned is making disciples. When you come into the life of the church, you get transformed and changed by Jesus. Now as he transforms and changes you, you begin to look more and more like him, you begin to understand how he operates, what is his character, his nature, and all of those things. But friends, it's not so that we can all look good now, let's go sit on the shelf, it's so that we can now have the mandate of now going and doing what God has called us to do, right? So there are two parts. So we don't just sit, we don't just come to church, sit in here and, uh, so that we can get and look like Jesus. We also come in here so that we can also demonstrate Jesus, live and live out what he's called us to do. Amen. Those are the two parts. Just break it down quickly, Lukey. Uh, 247 Connected. Under 247 Connected, that's connecting into the life of the church. Can I simply say this? In quick understanding, if you come into the life of this church, and you do not get connected, you will never get commissioned. Because only connected people get commissioned. You will just come in here and you will sit and then you will just take whatever is needed and say, so that's great and that's nice, don't like that, whatever. But if you don't get connected, you will never go get commissioned. If you're not connected into 24-7, why would you want to be commissioned by 24-7 church? See, because as the father of this house, I love this house. When I go out there, I'm not ashamed to say I belong to 24-7 church. I've been commissioned to go out there and to display and to declare the goodness of God in 24-7 church. I'm not trying to, to market a brand name. I'm trying to get us to understand that when you get connected and you get connected into a local body, and you're not ashamed of that local body, but if you're not connected, why am I gonna go out and be commissioned if I'm not even connected? Okay. How do we get connected in 24-7? This is how we get connected in 24-7. Sunday meetings, life groups, business, counseling, and prayer. Those are the connecting areas. In those areas is how, when we get brought in, how we begin to connect and become family and work together. Sunday meetings. Uh, Luke, you might have to just jump two slides quickly. Sunday meetings. In our Sunday meetings, what do we have in our Sunday meetings? In our Sunday meetings, we have preaching, worship team, power zone, Hebrews cafe, and prayer. So the connecting point for us, if you're talking just about Sunday meetings, in Sunday meetings, how do we connect? We connect preaching, worship team, power zone, Hebrews, and prayer. All of those things, friends, are a means of us connecting in, connecting with one another and connecting with God. Preaching the word of the Lord, we're getting to know the word of the Lord, worship team, understanding, those are all values. Can we see that? Word of God. Lifestyle of worship, family, fellowship, prayer. They're all values of the church that we connect into through that Sunday meetings connecting point, right? So we don't just come here and it's like, well, I just come in here because I want to hear what the guy's got to say so it can help me 
uh, during the week to achieve this, whatever, and that all, so that I don't feel depressed, or so that this, that, and the other. No, they're actually connecting points. I'm connecting and getting to know him more, and I'm connecting with one another. See, if the manager's like that when you come to church, it's a whole different mindset. With me? So that's all self-explanatory. You know all there, how they connect through preaching, worship team, power zone. Power zone is the children's ministry, and then prayer. Uh, Luke, you go back to the... Um, uh, no, back to 247 Connected again. Just, yeah, thank you. So, um, so that's Sunday meetings. Then you've got life groups. Can we jump to life groups? Life groups. Under life groups, friends, we've got home groups, event groups, common interest groups, heart and soul. The, 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 the connecting through the life groups, friends, is where we actually do life. Not on a Sunday morning, but actually where we do life. My encouragement is that we get into people's homes because that's where you really see who they are. That's where you can truly connect. That's where you can work together. But not everybody can make it to home groups. I understand that. I'm not talking about excuses and I'm tired and all that. I'm talking about sometimes people are busy and they've got things that they can't get to a home group. But we do have other groups. We do have event groups when there's events like men's events or ladies' events or, or a, a hiking thing or whatever it is, uh, common interest groups. If you, you all like golf and we all go play golf or you like caravanning or camping, whatever, and we all go camping together. Um, there's all those things. And then heart and soul is where we join together once a quarter. Uh, all the home groups come together and we have this incredible blast of, of... Now, there's no excuse for us not to be involved in life groups. In some way, manner, or form... My wife is not saved, my husband is not saved, so I can't make it to a home group, but I can certainly come to an event if it's on a Saturday or whatever it is. There's ways around that. Can I, can I say this, friends? In order for us as 24-7 church to get connected and to be connected together, you really need to connect through these groups. Otherwise, it's very hard just on a Sunday morning to try and know what's going on in your life, where you're at, where there's a need. The Bible says there was no needy one among them. How do I even know what your need is? How do I know where you're at? How do I know what you're journeying, what you're walking? That's why I said, when it comes to church, it's not about, whoops, the church knows too much now, I'm just going hard. I really, I must, I'm trying to be a biblical church, and the bottom line is every single time I get close to anybody and explains most of their life, they leave the church, because now I know everything about them. Come on, let's get over that. We're not CIA, FBI, we are not American politics. We're not busy appointing the Supreme Court judge. We are busy building the kingdom of God and getting to know one another where we're at and helping one another is part of family. You're not, you don't have to be shy to share where you're at with family. And by connecting to these groups, friends, you get to know people, you get to trust people, you get to understand, and you can begin to open your heart and work together. And then we can truly be family. So if you're not in getting involved in, in, in life groups, friends, it's very difficult to be connected in the life of the church. Sunday morning is a very small part of you being connected into 24-7. So my heart and my passion is, so when I stand up here and I'm going, oh, uh, uh, come do home groups and whatever, it's because of this. So now you know the reason behind it. I'm not just wanting to up the numbers in home groups because it makes us look good. Amen. Um, going back to the other, the other slide, Luke, the 247 Connected slide. Um, so Sunday meetings, life groups, business. We've got business function in the church um, where guys get together, all the businessmen talk about it, find out how we can do certain stuff. Um, then you've got counseling. Um, when you've got challenges and difficulties, you've got people who will help you. And then prayer. 
So you've got Sunday meetings, life groups, business, counseling, prayer, all opportunity for us to connect together. You'll notice prayer is everywhere because prayer is everything. The, the, um, the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, when the Holy Spirit came, filled them, numbers were added to them now, and they had to now demonstrate the church. It's Liesl, she has to go. Um, demonstrate the church. They devoted themselves to four things. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Isn't it amazing? There's only four things that they devoted themselves. Everything in church should look something like that in devotion. Amen. But they devoted themselves to prayer. Have you ever seen a church devoted to prayer? You have to go to Ahop, I think, to see a church devoted to prayer. But that's what prayer is one of them. They were devoted to prayer. Devotion is a credible name. So now when you get connected here, and you connect with people with prayer, you connect with people and you're counseling and sharing your stuff, walking a journey with somebody, when, you've, when you're roughing it, when, you, when you're in the trenches together, trusting the Lord for them to come through financially and come through with healing, and, and you get connected with people when, you, when you're in business together and you're believing God to hit targets and to do stuff and looking to joint ventures and, and, and partnering and doing all that stuff together, you connect with people. When you're in life groups and you're, at, you're during the week and you, your family's interrelating and working together and you're doing a whole bunch of stuff and having fun and, and uh, doing all the good things, friends. Because the reality is that most of the time in church life, let's be very honest, most of the time in church life, you have your own sphere of connecting and you just come to the church for a Sunday morning. I have all my friends and mates and there because I came out of that, you know, I, used to, I came out of the cycling club, got born again, and now I go to this church, but I still spend all my time with the cycling club, and, and I do all of that, and I did it for years with a soccer club, because that's what I came out of, and those are all my friends and mates, and that's my sphere of influence. When I came to church, I didn't really know anybody. I didn't really connect into the church. Friends, that's not a picture of the early church. I'll tell you why, because that's not the group of people that you can journey with and you can walk with in life. But you see, the problem is the church doesn't look very different from that group of people. But in the early church, friends, they needed one another. They needed people that were walking this journey. That when I talked to them, they didn't give me Bill Gates' seven steps to success. They gave me the Bible's steps to success. When I'm walking through journeys where I'm sacrificing, they didn't tell me, no, don't do that, friends. You must use, use other people's monies to get ahead. No, the Bible's telling me, no, don't get into debt, son. Come on. So we get connected because we spend life and do life together. Friends, there are a whole number of people that I know that are friends of me that I can go caravanning with and camping with. I go caravanning and camping with people in the life of this church because I love it. And I get to know them. Kevin and Reva, I, I, you, you want to get to know Kevin and Reva? Go camping with them. They're an amazing couple. They bring steaks. <laughs> they want, I want to go camping now. <laughs> so you get connected. Once you get connected, Luke, let's jump to the other one because I'm running out of time. Once, when you get here, then you, friends, you're connected and now you're part of this body, you're part of family. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? If you're not connected, it's like, hey, I've I got things to do myself. So I come and I'm sitting, I'm looking, I'm trying to find out so that I can do a whole bunch of stuff. But when you're connected, it's now, whoa, what do we do? What do we do? Then 247 gets commissioned. And the way we do that, friends, there are courses, outreach, which is Dale and Ellie, which we just heard, apostolic trips and prayer. Apostolic trips like Zambia. 
It's open to anybody and everybody, friends. This is a recce mission that we're going on, but, but if we go there and I believe what God's gonna do is he's gonna open doors into other countries and different places, friends. If that's what you've got on your heart, that's what you've purposed and planned in your heart, this door's going wide open for you. But friends, then you need to come through this door and be commissioned. Because we don't just send out hotheads and everybody and go, hey, listen, just go exercise your gift. Because that guy has phoned 24-7 and said, I want 24-7 to come and be represented there. So you've got to represent 24-7 church. Which I hope, if you're representing 24-7 church, you're representing Jesus. Right? I hope. I don't think we, we, it's not a franchise. So uh, you're not trying to represent us. We're trying to represent Jesus. We're not, trying to, uh, we're not a brand name. Come on. We're representing Jesus. So, so now all of this, and again, prayer. See, the main goal there, of course, is this training. You need to be, to be commissioned, you need to be trained. The outreach, you go to local ministry. Friends, it's always good to start small, don't just jump big. A lot of people do, they go, oh, no, I've read in the Bible, I'm just gonna go. Let me go and raise the dead. Have you ever raised maybe a chicken? <laughs> maybe just start with a headache. Apostolic trips translocal. Friends, before you head out the country, just do some local, and then now you can go out in the country, represent God, whatever. I mean, Krista, we've got an incredible apostolic lady who has, heads up many mission trips, but I'll tell you now, if you go on her mission trip, she will clap you silly if you don't know what you're doing. Because out there, there's no time to be looking around making sure, because you don't want to get shot, stabbed by your own team. So this is important when we commission that we get trained, that we get uh, experience, local experience, doing what we're called to do, and then trance local, we can get out whatever, and then everything is covered in prayer. Amen. I've landed. And then in that, in that sphere, so people that head up the courses, head up outreach, head up uh, all those things, friends, that's what the Bible would call deacons. Let's get back to just the biblical model, deacons, and then um, obviously at the top there, as you saw before there, there's eldership. So there's eldership deacons and there's a congregation. There is a clear mandate and hierarchy of how things operate. And there is a structure in church and that's how, how the authority flows and people all are, that's why it's like an army, right? How many know if you're in a massive church, let's say you're in Rhema and what have you, then things like obey your leaders seem a distant echo somewhere in the mountains. Because it doesn't cost you anything to sit in the back row, whatever, and do your whole little thing. But the reality is for me, the biblical model, and I'm not Raymond, saying Raymond don't have a biblical model. I'm just saying the biblical model, friends, is it says that we have, need to obey our leaders. That means we have to position ourselves and be in a place where we do have to obey our leaders. And obeying our leaders, friends, is when we fit into this model, then we actually operate, and there is a flow there's a flow of different authorities, different people with different giftings who are operating for this big picture of advancing the kingdom of God, planting churches everywhere that we go. We go into places, we establish local church, we build, we build them up, we strengthen them, and then if there is no church there, we will plant a church, 24-7 church, because it's a kingdom church, an understanding church that's got the banks that are right, that's got the right culture, the right values in that local community so that it can advance. Amen. We're not just going around, drifting around, doing a whole bunch of stuff. We're not just a whole bunch of people just doing our own thing. I've landed. But I'll just, I'll say this very quickly. I am very passionate about football. I love football. Most people know that. 
I'm fascinated how I read up about all these stars and what have you. One of the things that just fascinates me just lately with all these top soccer players is they always want to tell you what they're doing, what they're about and whatever. And there's like probably none of them that don't have less than seven cars. Can we ask ourselves a simple question? What do you do with seven cars? Now you see, if you don't have this mandate and this understanding, you will get seven cars. But when you have this mandate and understanding, maybe you can go to three. I don't know. Leave that to the Lord. But friends, this begins to beat in my heart. And I go, should I buy another car, a fourth car, or should I go to Zambia? I think I'll go to Zambia. Or you know what, I can't go to Zambia, but I'm gonna send people from 24-7 to Zambia. See, and as the father of this house, I unashamedly say that. Because I'm not after your money, I'm after the plans and the purpose that God has for you in your life. And if God's given you the ability to buy seven cars, and I'm thinking four of them must be to do with the kingdom. Come on. I know that sounds like, oh, hey, my 20-year plan is to own seven cars. I'm trusting that that 20-year plan gets interrupted. And I'm not saying that you can't have the best car. I'm not saying that you can't have three. I'm just saying, why do you need three or why do you need seven, right? So I'm saying this mandate is God-breathed for me and God will provide for it. But we are partnering with him and we're gonna trust him how this outworks. So in everything that we do, and I'll share this now because the next few weeks I'm talking about politics, prosperity, and purpose. Talking about our finances, I believe God's mandated us to actually have everything that we need. And I believe we have authority over finances. So I believe in abundance, I believe in prosperity for the people of God. But I don't believe in building up riches. Otherwise, the whole Bible is very weird because on the one hand, it's telling us, well, we should all get riches. On the other hand, it's saying it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, impossible. It tells, talks to me about a camel going through an eye of a needle. I don't know about you, but that sounds very difficult. <laughs> Little eye needle, big camel. Right? So I'm saying, hold on, there could be some confusion here. And then the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich. It does make rich, but you have a choice to be rich or you have a choice to be a river. And then God will take care of everything that you have. Whatever you need, God will take care of it. He loves it. You can have three cars. I just so you all know, that's not in the Bible. And I'm not saying you can have three cars. I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> if you have the ability to have seven cars. <laughs> Shall we stand? <laughs> I'm seeing faces going, whoo, I can have a third car. I'm gonna go home and tell my wife. Well, Amen. So that was probably the, the only time you'll see me use a PowerPoint. Um, oh. Because unfortunately my preaching is not linear. It's a lot of rabbit trails. But I hope that uh, as I've just unpacked it, and I, for the visitors, my apologies if you uh, had to look at a whole bunch of slides. Um, normally you can get me spitting and getting all excited. But um, for us as a church, that's just a picture that we want to have in our head to understand why we come on a Sunday, what we value, who we are, why we connect with these people, why God's planted us together. And hopefully that f answers all those questions and stirs us up for what God's called us to do as a people. And I wanna encourage you, I'm uh, talking on behalf of Jane and I, that there's so much in there for every single one of us to do. 
that I'm not even, I'm, I've never been one who's tried to slow down anybody or, or isolate anybody or tell anybody no. It's been one of, listen, wherever God's telling you to do, let's run with it, and I want to come alongside you and make it happen, amen? So I believe God's going to breathe on that. I believe God's going to breathe on us as a church. I believe we're going to achieve all that God's got for us through that, and um, we're going to trust Him that wherever God's vision is, there's also His provision, and the provision of God will follow, amen? So let's just pray, and because time has gone by, it's going to be a very short prayer. Father, I just thank you this morning uh, that we love praying, so we love speaking to you. Um, But I just want to entrust you today, Lord God, that as I've shared, I ask you today that everything that I've said that's not of you would just fall to the ground and disappear. But everything that I've said that's of you would just be planted into every one of our hearts, would take root and bring forth an incredible harvest. Lord, this is the mandate, the plan, and the purpose that you designed for 24-7 Church. And you have brought us together as family, and you have planted us together here for a purpose. The purpose is to flourish. So Lord God, I know every person here, when they put their hand up, when they're obedient and just do what you've called them to do in this local church, they will flourish. And when they do flourish, they will flourish in every single way and they will move into a realm of abundance and of overflow because you didn't just come to give us life, but you came to give us abundantly. That they can be a blessing to others as they fulfill everything of their purpose and their mandate. So I pray over every single one of us, Lord, that from this moment on, that we'd be purposeful to what you've called us to in this local church, that we'd be committed to this local church, connected and commissioned to fulfill the mandate that you've called over us. And I ask this in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If any of you are needing prayer, please come to the front. I'd love to pray with you if it's for healing or anything like that. Otherwise, thank you for pushing through with me.